Hello and welcome once again to We've Got No Idea What We're Going to Say with Ben Simmons and Nick Murphy. You'd think I'd be more scared by these, but I actually don't mind. I've never thought you'd be scared by them. Well, just not knowing what to say for 20 minutes. I can understand the use of the word apprehensive, but actually being scared is a bit much, isn't it? Apprehensive is a better word. Just generally, in fact, I think now whenever the word scared is called for, I'm going to use apprehensive instead, whether it's (laughs) rightly or wrongly. (laughs) Right. Well, bear in mind that this doesn't make you apprehensive or scare you. Right now, what's the first thing you can think of that does make you apprehensive or scare you? Your cat. (laughs) Really? Now, for the viewing several, they don't realise we're back in our Wickford studios. We are in our Essex branch Wickford studios. Um, and quite literally, there is a cat not we too far a, from here. We have a guest with us in the studio. <laughs> it won't be joining us on the microphone. She it won't climbs be joining us. On the microphone. It's a cat. <laughs> it's a female cat. So it won't be joining us. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. <laughs> Why do you get apprehensive around cats? They're a bit weird. <laughs> They've got claws, they sort of scratch you for no reason. Have you been scratched by a cat at some point in your life that has led you to not like them? It's had a major psychological effect on everything I've ever done since then. Right. So I hate the film Catwoman. Yeah, although that's just got Michelle Pfeiffer in it, hasn't it? Or Halle Berry. Halle Berry, I was thinking of. Michelle, Michelle Pfeiffer, Pfeiffer wasn't in the film. Yeah, Catwoman in, in Batman very many yeah. years ago. Yeah. That- <sighs> Halle Berry. I've never found Halle Berry as attractive as everyone acts as if she is. No, I would agree with that. She's an attractive person who isn't amazingly attractive. Hmm. I'm glad we've established that. I was always a bit annoyed that she was the one who did the um, the thing on Bond and the Bond movie she was in, where she came out of the water and she just copied exactly what Ursula Andress had done in the first one. Yeah. As though that's a good thing to do. And I thought, well, first of all, she's not as fit, and secondly, why copy it? Why not do something different and try and be better? Yeah, so that's kind of a character assassination of Halle Berry there. Yeah, but she, ne- she never says anything nice about me. No, without being able to say the word assassination properly. Until no, the I, I think an assassination is fine. It's, <laughs> it's absolutely all right. Brilliant. Um, any other film stars that everyone thinks is attractive and you don't? Uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones. Yeah, right. I'd say she was generally considered more attractive than Halle Berry, and I, I, I think... Although I can sort of see she's attractive, and way, way back in the day when she um, was in Darling Buds of May, I did think she was quite attractive. Did you think she was perfect? No, I thought she was quite attractive. (laughs) Right, right. And um, I thought uh, she was relatively attractive then, but she she did some really bad films. Then she married Michael Caine. She didn't marry Michael Caine. No, she didn't. (laughs) She married Michael Caine in a secret thing, divorced him quite soon afterwards to marry Michael Douglas. Uh, nobody, not a lot of people know that. Uh, and um, I think she's fairly talentless, not as pretty as everyone thinks. And aside from maybe the cat suit scene in Entrapment, I've never been that bothered by it. Well, if we're going to say harsh things about Catherine Zeta-Jones, she hasn't done a good film, if any, since Chicago, has she? I didn't even think she was that good in that, and I like Chicago. Yeah. Right, sorry Catherine, but... She uh, was the only sort of musical theatre trained one of the actors and I wasn't that bothered by her. Sorry Catherine, but if you want to impress Nick, must do better, I think, yeah. is the uh, is the um, line at the bottom of your acting Or ask report. Michael Caine how to act better. Yeah, because he'll tell you how to be your ex-husband. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Why is it some actors just keep getting work regardless and then some actors do a few films and then only do rubbish films? Like Michael Caine has done good films his whole career. He hasn't at all. That's rubbish. He did The Hive. He did Jaws 4. 
Yeah, no, but generally, I mean... He went through quite a large period where he wasn't doing any good films. I agree that he did a lot of good films when he was younger, and then he's done quite a few good films recently, but there was like ten years when he did shit films. Right, that's shown that I know not as much as I thought about Michael Caine's film career. (laughs) Right. I remember seeing an interview with him, and he said um, he did Jaws 4... No, he said he did The Hive, because... What's The Hive? I've never even seen that. It's one It was like a schlock horror film. Right. And he um, he said he did that because his mum wanted a big house, and then he did the Jaws Four because his mum wanted a bigger house. Well, he does a lot for his mum then. Greedy bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I can understand the character assassination yeah. of Halle Berry, the one of Catherine Zeta Jones. Yeah. You've just insulted Michael Caine's mother, mm. who, bearing she in mind how old Michael Caine is now, she's her, possibly no longer with her us. And, her and Catherine Zeta Jones get together at Halle Berry. And all slag me off on their own podcasts all the time. Oh, so now I can understand why you've got that vendetta against the three of them. Everyone I've mentioned in the show so far, I've slagged them off. Is that a bit harsh? Yeah, is there anyone you'd like to say anything nice about in this show? Uh, um, can you think of a film star that people uh, don't like that much or gets a bad press and you actually quite like her? John Cusack? Her. That was just the first one I came You like John Cusack? He doesn't get a bad press, does he? No. <laughs> um, right. who, who gets a bad press and I like uh, Sandra Bullock did for a while and of course she won an Oscar recently but yeah. I always thought she was and then good. apparently everyone's saying that that film she won the Oscar for isn't that good a film I've not seen what was it I don't even remember something about the blind side wasn't it I don't know about she used something some to do with the, like American football big black bloke coming and living with them and her teaching him things I may be showing my ignorance here because I don't know a lot I think about trying to that describe a film you don't know is probably not the best thing. I've heard of it. I've seen about two second clips from it. Has it not been released in the UK yet? No, it has. I'm sure is it, it has. It's just no. not on DVD yet. Or maybe it's Neither on DVD. Neither of us obviously give I think this podcast is proving that we could do some more research before we start recording. <laughs> we Although, can't research because then we'd have an idea of what we're going to say. Yeah, no, not literal research, but I mean just have more general knowledge. Have more so general knowledge would be useful. Yeah, 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 definitely. We did watch a film quite recently on a slightly... Um, some people might consider it a dodgy medium. But I don't think we should reveal how that. we got no. the copy of it. or Iron Man 2. That we watched in the cinema. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah Iron Man 2. <laughs> but it was a bit upsetting for me because I watched about the first ten minutes of it and fell asleep. Yeah, you watched the first ten minutes of it. I watched all of it. How was it? Tell me about Iron Man 2. What did you think of it? I quite liked the first Iron Man because I only watched it for the first time about a week ago. And then watching Iron Man 2, it kind of carried on quite well yeah. but uh, there was a sort of ridiculous bit where they infiltrated the Monaco Grand Prix and mm. Mickey Rourke turned up with electric whip things and cut all the Formula 1 cars in half just walked onto the track and cut them in half does he just not like Grand Prix? I don't know. I think he was. It was just a display of aggression, and just... I assume he never got to actually cut Iron Man in half. Then no, he took him on, and it was kind of a bit weird. The strange thing is, I get a film magazine every month called Total Film. That's not strange. You can get whatever magazine you like, mate. <laughs> but they do this amusing section in there called the Abridged Script, where they get a famous film that's recently been released and do a kind of joke tongue-in-cheek abridged version of it and yeah. I'd read that about Iron Man 2 before I saw the film and it did I did find it quite appropriate then it said basically Robert Downey Jr. acts like an idiot in front of a bunch of senators he doesn't give them his soup to the army so he can just use it himself and be himself and love himself 
then he, it something, use I, it himself, be himself, and love himself. <laughs> it wasn't that far different. <laughs> and then it said, suddenly Mickey Rourke turns up at the Monaco, Monaco Grand Prix with electric whips and cuts a load of cars in half. Right. Um, and that pretty much is exactly That's what he film. did. And then it said, Don Cheadle appears, who is in no way a replacement for the other actor in the first film. Right. Just playing is the is same Mickey Rourke playing the baddie? Like yeah, the he's villain playing character. a Russian bad guy. Right. And I can't really remember why he's a bad guy. Something about his father worked with Robert Downey Jr.'s father and he got screwed over, so yeah. he had some sort of vendetta against him. Bit annoyed him. and, uh, and then, uh, he got electric whips for arms. Basically, although Robert Downey Jr. It showed a big section in the first film where it took him ages to get the suit to work and to understand how to use it inside, he's got another suit now by this time. He's got about five suits and Don Cheadle gets into one and can use it instantly, brilliantly, as well as Robert Downey Jr. Which so is he like an Iron Man sidekick? Yeah, but he has to fight Iron Man because Iron Man gets drunk and goes around in his suit drunk. Right. Um, and he's, he has a party. That's irresponsible. Yeah, that's the that's showing the nature of uh, superhero responsibility. Don't drink and be a superhero, the government's latest warning. It's kind of saying Spider-Man's mantra without it being Spider-Man. With great power comes great responsibility. That's not the same thing, though, is it? Yeah, I said don't get drunk if you're a superhero. Yeah, no. It's not the same as what you said, but that scene in the film is showing that if you're a superhero and you act irresponsibly, it can cause danger to it civilians. It can cause people to attack you. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. If you're a superhero, do you care about civilians? Well, most of them do, don't they? If you've got great power, who gives a stuff? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that should be the new mantra for superheroes. I'd have thought with great power comes less responsibility. (laughs) You can delegate. With great power, do what you like. Because you're the most powerful. Mm. Ignore everyone else. Yep. Good. If you it's were a really superhero, superhero, I think though, because I mean, if what you look, is, at, I think Iron Man's one of the most rubbish superheroes, and let me explain why. Right, please do. I've only just thought had this thought, but Spider-Man got bitten by a radioactive spider, so he's more than human. He's superhuman. Yeah. Superman came from another planet. He, the sun powers him, makes him stronger. He's a superhuman, yeah. more than human. Yeah. Iron Man has built an, a, a suit. How is Anybody he... could get in it and be as powerful as him. Yeah. He's not a superhero. How's... He's a man with a suit. <laughs> He's good at building suits. Not superhuman, good at building suits. How is that different to Batman, though? Because he's just got... Yeah, he's a rubbish, he like is that. a rubbish superhero as well. He's not. That's not different to Batman. <laughs> Batman just has loads of gadgets yeah. and, and a car. It's like, if you get those gadgets, you're Batman. He's quite athletic, but not superhuman. Yeah. I've always thought that about Batman as well. So you only think someone should be allowed to be called a superhero if they're superhuman or superpowered? Yeah, well, it makes them special. But, but isn't Batman, it the suit... <coughs> Sorry. Like, just shoot Batman in the face, he's dead. <laughs> yeah, but isn't that true with any superhero? No, shoot Superman in the face, he's not dead. What happens to him then? Well, there's that scene in the most recent Superman film where he gets shot in the eye and you see the bullet slow motion hit his eyeball and shatter. Oh, yeah. I've only seen that film once about four years ago. I didn't remember it. Yeah, that's what happens. They kind of ruined Superman franchise with that film, didn't they? You told me that they were making a hot... They've st- Even though that was sort of starting again with the Superman franchise, they're going to do it all again. Yeah, I heard that. I read that in a film magazine I get every month, strangely, called Total Film. 
This, this is sponsored by Total Film. If anyone from the PR department of Total Film is listening to this podcast... And isn't called them, Stuart. ...and send us some Vicks Vapor Rub. <laughs> Vicks Vapor? It wasn't even what we were talking about. Did, have we ever told the viewing several? What, I was the, kind of hoping not to have to, but uh, now you've mentioned have, it, we're going to have to. Have to. We are. We, we were the victims, dear tens of listener, um, of a cruel hoax. Yes, I know, I was just saying it to be eccentric. Right. We were the victims. Ten of, of listeners. We were. <laughs> Sherpa Tenzing is one of our <laughs> listeners. Um, yeah. We're the victims of a cruel hoax recently. Uh, you regular, cruel, cruel, cruel. Regular listeners may be aware that every now and again we say that we haven't received a lot of emails on mm. our uh, email address, which is info at wgni.co.uk. Quite true. We haven't received that many emails. Not that many. Send us some emails. I'm not going to make a rant about it. After um, one particular podcast where we mentioned the benefits of Vic's first defence, we were both delighted to receive an email from the Vic's marketing department saying that somehow they'd heard our podcast through a friend, a friend of a friend. Exactly. Completely plausible. Yeah. And if we sent a postal address, they would send us some samples of Vic's first defence as a thank you for the free advertising, really. And uh, then, via the wonders of Facebook, it became evident that this was a cruel hoax email sent by a, in inverted commas, quotes, friend of Nick. Our hopes were raised and then crushed underfoot. Raised and then raised to the ground. Yeah, absolutely. Why does the word raised mean brought up and lowered down? That makes yeah, no that sense. can't happen very often, but raised to the ground is with a Z and raised is with an S. Oh, right, is it? I wasn't sure about that. Yeah. There you go. So it's a different word, that's fine. Yeah, that's, Carry on. that explains why. Why does the word flammable mean the same as the word inflammable? That's a very stupid thing. That's ridiculous. Yeah, why put? Why why have the word inflammable at all? Yeah, I don't know. If you want more It syllables. would make sense if inflammable meant not flammable, as in like unflammable. Yeah, yeah. Why not? Why why have inflammable? I didn't invent the word, so I can't really answer that. No, you asked, and I answered with a question, which was really not helpful. In many ways, it was rhetorical, what you said. Mm. If anyone knows why there is the word flammable and inflammable, please email in at the usual address. If anyone from the marketing department of flammable or inflammable can... <laughs> can send us some samples some of fire. <laughs> that would be absolutely brilliant. So there you go. Yeah, it's. I've always been upset by flammable. I remember at school someone saying, asking me why flammable and inflammable was there. I bet you didn't know then, did you? No, I haven't made, done any research since then. <laughs> Twenty years have passed, no research. <laughs> I think that shows your life, really. Time passes and you don't do research. I was surprised. Some of the viewing listeners will know that I've sort of. I'm associated with chess. I've written for chess magazine. I've worked in a chess shop, mm. um, and. It was a, a guy from school who added me on Facebook, hadn't spoken to him for probably 20 years, and he went, oh, do you still play chess? And genuinely in my head I was like, I can't remember really ever playing chess, but I obviously did. And he challenged me to a game of chess on the internet today, which would be the first time we played in 20 years. Brilliant. Have you played him, or are you about to well, play? We're in the middle of a game now. Right, surely you shouldn't be doing it whilst you're making this broadcast, that's absolutely ridiculous. We have two days per move, so I think I'm alright. That's the longest game of chess ever. I've played games with two weeks per move. Have you finished them? Yeah. Good. Did it take a year? 
You don't look happy, though. Why would anyone want to make a game of chess last that long? I understand that if you're not with someone, you can have a massive. Well, it's like the old postal way, but you can have a massive think about what move to make, and like you can use the board and plan out. So it's like you should be playing the best chess it's possible to play. Mm. You should be cheating and looking up the best move under every condition and circumstance, and then doing that move. But quite often, people, uh, a good human player, should be able to be any computer at that time control. Right. Let's not get into chess now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, let's not. Well, would the ultimate achievement for you to be to get one of the lead roles in the musical Chess <laughs> and to play a game of chess backstage with one of your co-stars in that musical? If she was fit, yeah. <laughs> Is there any way there could be more chess than that? Playing chess during the musical Chess? Um, I don't think there is. No, I don't think there is. Weirdly, I know that there's a programme about chess coming up on, on Sky Television on the 10th of September. What channel is it on? I'm not 100% sure. Right, I predict that that will get over 20 viewers. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> but um, speaking of the fact that I've done something that we haven't played chess for 20 years, I was upset recently, listeners, dear listeners, you'll, um, I actually went to visit Ben in Cromer, because he spent a lot of time in Cromer, as you know from a previous podcast. Cromer in Norfolk, lovely Cromer. This is one of his days off, which is why we're back in Wickford. Yep. Um, and there's various cast members in the show, you've got a sort of acro- acrobatic guy, uh, instrumentalist, yep. and quite a few dancers. Yeah. Um, and to be fair, I obviously have a great fondness for dancers, especially female ones. But what was upsetting? Are you saying you find them attractive? Yeah. Right. And um, but the dancers clearly looked at me because, uh, having said that, I played something. I haven't played this guy for twenty years. Most of the dancers, what are they about twenty to twenty-three? That round age range. I think the youngest is twenty-three, and the oldest is about twenty-six. Right. So the twenty-three to twenty-six. And they all clearly looked at me as though I'm a bit of an old bloke, <laughs> which was really upsetting, because in my head, as you know, I'm still about 12. Yes. One of the dancers, there's four young lady dancers in our show, one of them is recently single, mm. and um, she was saying to the others, how could they set her up with any of their friends, and I knew that you were single. Yeah, so and I said, you instantly said, I Nick said, would definitely my friend's be. single, but he's probably a bit too old for you, and she went, how old is he? And I said, how old you were, and she went, yep. I said, right, what's your upper age limit? And for a girl that was 23, she decided she couldn't go over a guy that was 28. Right, that's not much older. No, for a bloke, surely... Although, I reckon a 28-year-old bloke would have about the same kind of mental age as a 23-year-old girl. We might have talked about this before, but it's it's sort of half your age plus seven. Is it? Yeah, that's the lowest. Is there an official rule? Well, it's unofficial rule. (laughs) I'm not saying like the government have said don't go out with anyone who's... (laughs) Less than half your age. Hang on, seven. No, what for blokes? Yeah, so well, no, just yeah. I suppose for blokes, you go, you can't go out with anyone younger than half your age. So if you were thirty, seven. you couldn't go out with anyone younger than twenty-two. Yeah. So you're so saying twenty-three. So twenty-three. Yeah. Right. So I so that that youngest dancer's talking rubbish. Let's go out tonight. Like. Yeah, but I think the main problem was that she did say if she was to go out with someone that old, her dad wouldn't like it. <laughs> so. It was like going back to the the story of the, the juvenile dancers in the pantomime in Aylesbury who asked me how old I was. When I said that, she went, my dad's only six months older. I was like, oh. I don't need to know that. That's upsetting. Yeah. We're reaching an age now when 
people that you work with who are young and attractive are quite a lot younger than you. Yeah. And that hasn't happened to me before. And their parents are not that much older than yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Which is really upsetting. It's weird when you think of people your own age now and they've got like seven-year-old kids. And it's like, what? Yeah. There's a girl I went to school with has a 16-year-old kid That's who's now at school. Right, that's a slightly sobering, worrying, that's terrifying a, that's thought. A, that's a low and sad thought to, to almost finish this podcast well, on. I think it's over to my good friend Nick Murphy to sum up and say good riddance. Well, considering that we're quite old, we're getting quite decrepit, and that's a quite a sad thought, I'd like to say, thanks for listening, all of you!